with me and turn to Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter 6. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life uh, you can have some things that you just start to do and then you find yourself continuing to do and next thing you know it just becomes a bad habit. Anyone know someone or maybe you know yourself, you have some bad habits. Am I the only one in here that has bad habits, okay? We develop some things that we kind of wish that uh, uh, maybe we shouldn't have developed. You know, we, uh, I think you examine yourself even more when you have children and uh, you know, you start thinking about all the words that you're saying and how am I saying this and do I want my child to say this and then you realize, oh wait a second, I say that a lot more than I should have. That's become a bad habit to be saying that. Uh, or um, uh, some things you just, uh, you just over time, especially uh, uh, some of you guys um, come, just coming out of bachelorhood, right? And uh, you develop some bad habits sometimes when you live on your own. But I tell you, marriage isn't too much different. Sometimes in marriage, uh, you can develop some bad habits. And the, boy, those bad habits really don't start rubbing on the spouse until after you, you're married for a few years down the road. And then, uh, then you hear about it all the time, right? This is a terrible habit. Why don't you ever... You know, put the dishes in the sink, right? But I might use that butter knife again, so I'm going to put it on the edge of the sink instead of inside of the sink. You know, bad habits, right? Uh, sometimes we just have things that we do that uh, uh, are just, uh, they really aren't um, uh, well thought. Well, I, I wonder, you know, as, as believers, when we think in the context of Christians, are there things that we do uh, that would be of godly habits? Uh, that, these are just things that we do in our way of living that are, Godly, that are God-representing, that uh, represent Christ well. We find in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel, a man who chose to develop godly habits. Uh, we've said this already of Daniel, but really you never actually find any negative thing said about Daniel. He's one of those characters in the Bible that there isn't anything said. Not that he was a sinless individual, but he was most definitely an, a man who was faithful to what God had called him to do and faithful uh, in what God had gifted him to do, and uh, he allowed himself to develop good, uh, godly habits. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 1, if you notice with me together, the Word of God says, It pleased uh, Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king uh, should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. We see, we know of Daniel has already escalated up in, in a, uh, a positive way in his reputation of who he was and, and in his, his example of who God is. Uh, many historians believe that Daniel, at this point in time in his life, is somewhere between his 80 and 90 year old of age, okay? Uh, he is no longer a young man, as we often picture him to be, especially in the earlier parts of his life. But here, uh, he's, he's uh, for many years, been uh, serving in the kingdom. You're, if you notice, this is not the same king as before. Where before was Nebuchadnezzar, now we see a man by the name of Darius. And or some pronounce his name Darius. Uh, but Darius is not a, a Babylonian himself, but rather uh, one of Persia. If you remember the uh, dreams which Nebuchadnezzar was having, and those dreams foretold of the, uh, the dis destruction of the Babylonian people, the captivity of Babylon itself. So although he is still serving in the city of Babylon, 
uh, yet uh, there is now a new leadership, a, a new king above him, this man Darius. And it is not uncommon, keep in mind at this point, that um, for people to really view their king as somewhat that of a god. Uh, they were very loyal and, and very worshipful uh, to their king. And so Daniel 6 is a very familiar passage, Daniel in the lion's den. Some of you maybe uh, aren't as familiar with it. That's okay. We'll look at it here together. Uh, but keep in mind that th this is, uh, uh, here we're introduced to Daniel as, as one who's escalated to the top. Uh, he was of and among these different presidents. Now, these presidents are, uh, are given a, quite a great authority for their position. Uh, they could uh, help to sway and even to bring up and, or uh, allow specific laws to take place. That was a type of authority which they had. Of course, we, as we would read on, you know the passage that these uh, presidents, in their jealousy of Daniel's position, they gather together, they camaraderate together, and uh, they come up with a desired law which they seek to have without any of Daniel's say in any of this. Well, the king has no uh, thought of uh, Daniel's uh, knowledge in this. It would seem that he is very much in agreement for what these presidents had presented to him as far as this decree goes, and probably assumed that Daniel was well a part of it. But we find he, was, he finds favor in the eyes of the king. The Bible says in verse 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the president and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, and they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then saith these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute, all but Daniel, that is, and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, uh, here uh, are all of these um, men who've gathered together. They're uh, deceitfully working behind Daniel. Keep in mind, this is the type of position that Daniel has risen up to. He is more or less the second in command under the king himself. Okay, uh, This was a very honorable position. Uh, but uh, Daniel was not in and of himself giving, as we looked at last week, giving any credit for anything he could do. But all glory was being given to God. And he became very known for his reputation of, of loving God and honoring God and living for God. And uh, can you imagine being as... Um, uh, as Daniel, and the only thing that can be said against you is that you love God, and that you're seeking to serve God, and that you're faithful to God. This is the type of man that Daniel was known to be amongst others. The Bible says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and decree. So a writing and decree has been made for 30 days that all are to worship Darius the king, he and he only. And the punishment, if not, would be uh, to uh, go to a lion's den. It would seem uh, that uh, it was at least a day with the assumption that the lions themselves would be devouring the, to whomever would fall in that den. 
In verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened into the chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Look at verse 13. Then, then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Jump down to verse 16. And the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of the Lord's, and, and the purpose, uh, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither was instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep was from him. And then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable uh, voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, and has shot the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Take notice, if you would, with me to verse number 7, where the Bible says, And whosoever shall ask a petition of any man, uh, or of any God, or of any man, for 30 days. Those 30 days. The Bible tells us that uh, this was an entire, we should say, a month's period of time. You understand the significance in 30 days? Uh, many studies have been done. It's been uh, very well proven that in 30 days, habits are formed. In 30 days, commitments are made. In 30 days, uh, we, we are uh, making decisions that in some time, sometimes they shape the entirety of our whole life and what we do in the preceding days of our life. The, the, the emphasis and the goal of these men was directed at Daniel, but I say to you, Satan's work was very much behind this as well. And Satan's desire for Daniel's life is the same desire for every one of our lives, and that is that we would get out of a habit of living godly for Christ. I wonder, are, do you have godly habits? Are there things that you do every day, continually, without even thinking about it, that have to do with your relationship with God? Godly habits. Boy, I wonder if we could stop and think of our negative habits and compare those things to our godly habits. What are some good and godly habits? Well, we get up in the morning... Uh, do we think about Christ, yielding ourselves to Christ? Do we find ourselves in His Word during the day? Do, our, do we find ourselves meditating and maybe even memorizing Scripture? Uh, do we find ourselves uh, in just a, a habit of sharing the name of Christ with others? And we can't even hardly start a conversation without bringing the name of Christ up. We're just in a habit of everything that we do is surrounded around God. Boy, Sunday and uh, Sunday morning comes around and uh, we don't even have to think, what are we going to do the next day? No, it's Sunday. We're going to the house of God. It's just a habit. It's something that we have committed to do before God that we're going to continually do. It's interesting that it's the king himself who notices these things. The end of verse 10, the Bible says of Daniel that he prayed as he did aforetime. 
He didn't change his habits. In verse 16, the Bible says of the king, as he's speaking to Daniel, thy God whom thou servest, the end of the verse, continually. You're serving him continually. In verse 23, he says it again, rather, verse 20, I'm sorry. The Bible says, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee? Even the king took notice of the fact that Daniel didn't just serve God. He didn't just obey God. No, it was a godly habit. I mean, it was a habit. It was something he couldn't help but do. It just came naturally because of his relationship with God. He had grown so close to the Lord, and he had committed himself so much to God that he had no desire and no intent to do anything other than that which pleased God. I wonder, when you think in a 30-day period of time, how many godly habits are you regularly doing? Some of us, you know, uh, we, 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 we might use, you may use the word commitment, but uh, our minds are on many other things. You know, we, we, come off, uh, we come to work, and what we're thinking about that day, we'll work. And sometimes it's, when am I going to get off of work? <laughs> we get off work, we come back home, Maybe we turn on the television, turn on some music, we eat dinner, whatever it may be. Either call it a day or we're reading the newspaper or uh, we're doing something else. We kind of get into what we might call a routine. Habits. Uh, are, do those habits of your life, are they speaking of a continuation of a service and life of obedience to God? Continually, the Bible says, as he did aforetime. I don't have to think about it. It's just something I always do. Could it be this morning that maybe you would need to examine your own life of some areas that you need to develop some godly habits? Habits can be hard to start. <laughs> they, 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 can, they can be subtle in their starting. But boy, when we want to start a good thing, it can be hard to start. Uh, especially when you get out of the swing of it. Uh, Brother Trina and I were just talking and we, uh, he was reminding me of myself of different... Uh, therapy and walking and that sort of thing, trying to start new habits, right? And, uh, you know, for me, I'm, thankfully, I'm out of that routine of, of coming into the therapist, but I'm still supposed to be having the therapy <laughs> working on that leg, right? Boy, when you miss one day, it's, it's easy to say, well, wow, I just missed two days. Oh, man, I, I just missed three days. Before you know it, you look back, and several days have passed. Because we begin to form habits. You know, godly habits, you have to determine to make happen. You have to determine to say, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm committing to do it. And I'm setting as the priority. One of the things that help us to develop godly habits, basic, simple things, truthfully, that have helped me uh, is taking advantage of electronic devices. You're an electronic person. Put reminders on your devices. Set alarms if you have to. Read your Bible. Pray. Think about the Lord. Think of, think of what Christ has done for you today. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're not one that does electronic. Uh, they have these wonderful things called sticky notes. <laughs> stick them on your door. Stick them on your mirror in the bathroom. Uh, stick them on the, on, on, in your bedroom so that you don't forget. Stick them on your pillow so that you have to lay on it in order to, in order to remember. I mean, uh, if, if we truly are seeking to develop godly habits, we have, to, we have to determine to make them happen. I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I'm going to begin this new uh, uh, developing stage of obedience to God. I want to give to you some uh, healthy, or should we say godly, habits that every Christian should be developing. 
The first we see of, of Daniel is that uh, of his reputation. He had a good reputation, Daniel chapter 6. Verse number 3, the Bible says, And Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. This was not because he sought to be at the top. It was simply because of his testimony of God. He chose to live godly. From the very beginning, turn back there just for sake of reminder, Daniel chapter 1. Remember, it, this is not the first time that we read of Daniel's uh, uh, standing out amongst others. In Daniel 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He had chosen to commit himself to not give himself to any of the things which God had commanded him to, not to eat of. Would it be that God would so be working in your life today to develop a habit of having a good reputation of God, a good testimony of God. I think many Christians, myself included, we underestimate the power in the testimony of God. Sometimes we can actually beat up ourselves for our testimony. Why well, I have nothing to share. I have a miserable and I have an embarrassing life to share. Let me tell you, God gave you your testimony uniquely and specifically for a purpose to tell and to share with others about God. Amen? Don't be ashamed of your testimony. And for that matter, don't be ashamed to have a testimony of God. Are you known for having a, reputa a reputation for living for Christ? And by the way, we've got some uh, that uh, maybe you're more involved in this church or in some other ministry. How about in your home? Do you have a reputation in your own, among your own family for putting God first, for living godly, for representing God well. Holy men, holy women of God, putting Him first. You know, it takes work. 30 days, habits are formed. Could it be that maybe you would need to commit before God just to say, God, I'm, I'm going to be more consciously aware of my testimony the humor that I'm finding in things in, in conversations, the words that I'm using uh, in my conversation, uh, the, the uh, places that I'm going, the, the lackadaisical attitude that I have when, I, uh, when I, I'm, I'm not at work or I'm not committed to anything. Could it be that we need to develop and start godly habits? One thing I try to work with uh, uh, married couples or Couples who are just getting married to try to encourage them and, and challenge them. Say, hey, start developing good, godly habits. Or you might call them traditions. Things that you can begin doing now at this stage in your life. Because life only picks up and gets even more busy. And unless you begin them as a habit now, it's probably not going to happen. You think life is busy now as a single person. Wait till you're married. You think life's busy when you're married. Wait till you have kids. And then for those, those of you who are uh, even above me, wait till you have grandchildren, right? And, and then you're watching the kids and the grandchildren. Life only picks up. There's always something that's going to grab you. But I wonder, are you developing a habit of putting God as that priority? Letting Him produce the character of who you are. Look at what the Bible says about Daniel's character. 
The Bible tells us he was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent, verse 3, an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit. I don't know about you, but I believe that's the spirit of Jesus. A passionate individual. Passionate for his faith. Passionate for God. Desirous to live for Christ and to make the name of Christ known. He was known as an interpreter of dreams and, and, and sharing what the message of God was for those individuals all through these 80, 90 some years of his life. This is what he's been known for. But never once do we read of that he sought to take credit for what God had done through his life. Oh, that we as believers would find ourselves to be individuals without compromise but rather uh, with an excellent spirit, unwilling to change and unwilling to shift, unwilling to compromise from that which we know is right. This was the reputation that Daniel had, without compromise. But I would say, secondly, it was one that was blameless. I mentioned it briefly already, but verse 4 of the Bible tells us they could find no occasion against Daniel except that he loved his God. He was a blameless individual. What a wonderful thing to be known for. Hey, if, if you could be known for anything else on this earth, is it that you're known for loving God? God forbid, but if your life should come to an end today, what would people remember you for? Would they remember you for your faithful love for God? Truthfully, that word blameless speaks of his separation. He chose to separate from the world and unto God. I'm choosing not to even associate with any likeness to sin, but in every way possible, associate to every bit of likeness of God. Blameless. You know, the Bible tells us this is the qualification of that of a pastor, but it is also be the quality of every believer that we are blameless. God's not saying sinless, but the believer is in a complete and absolute pursuit to be blameless. I better not do that. That's not going to represent God well. I better not say those things. Well, God, would you please help me not to do those things? Satan's really, really got me developing these bad habits. Blameless. Are you blameless and, and separated unto God? The Bible tells us of these uh, godly habits. He had a good reputation, a good testimony. But I would say a, a most significant thing of this passage is speaking of his prayer life. He had a consistent prayer life. A consistent prayer life. I love this passage uh, when it comes to the life of Daniel because it's so powerful on the subject of prayer. Again, the Bible emphasizes in verse 10, the end of that verse, as he did aforetime, Daniel continued to pray to God, Jehovah, why? Because he wasn't going to compromise. He wasn't going to change. Because he loves his God. He's going to keep doing what he knows is right. Keep trusting God. Staying faithful to God. Keep bringing his prayers to God. As he did aforetime. The Bible tells us of his place of prayer in verse 10. Now Daniel knew the writing was signed. Verse 10, he went into his house. I wonder, Christian, do you have a place of prayer? Do you have a habit of praying in this place? Maybe it's in your car with your eyes open. <laughs> Maybe it's in a prayer closet somewhere. Maybe it's together with your spouse, together with your family, and this is just something we do every day at this time. 
we pray together. Habit. Um, you know, Caleb is, uh, we teach him, you know, try to teach him routines, and he gets in that routine where, you know, uh, he knows when it's time to pray, you know. And uh, he, right before the meal, pray. Hold his hands, pray. And uh, devotions at the very end, pray. Mommy, you pray. You know, no, usually it's no daddy, you pray. <laughs> Sometimes I'll say, no, Caleb, you pray, you know. We just joke with each other. But a place of prayer. Do you have a place that you go to God in prayer? The Bible tells us of his attitude and his windows being open. The Bible says in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees. He kneeled upon his knees. You know, even right now in my life, I'm not a person you're going to find on my knees very much. Okay, It doesn't feel so comfortable as it once did. In time, they say it will. But what, what attitude of humility it truly says in our spirit before God when we bow a knee before him. I wonder when was the last time you bowed on your knees before God in your attitude of prayer? The Bible tells us that he believed, he believed that God was able and is able to hear and answer his prayers. Notice the time in which he prayed. The Bible says he prayed three times a day. We read, we read and we know the psalm, Psalm 55, verse 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Charles Spurgeon said the habit of prayer is good, but the spirit of prayer is better. You have a spirit of prayer. You're continually in communion with God. God's with you. You know he's with you. You're talking together with him. Edward Orr, uh, a, a Christian of the past said that any time real revival came, it was always preceded by extraordinary prayer, not ordinary prayer. What is the difference between extraordinary prayer, ordinary prayer? Ordinary prayer is praying when you get up in the morning, praying before your meal, praying when you go to bed. That's ordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer. You're believing by faith. You're passionately, zealously Trusting God on your knees, through in your attitude, in absolute faith, believing God, you are able. Please, would you answer? It's 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 more than a uh, uh, than a uh, just a general prayer. Let's say it's you. One of the worst habits that Christians develop is habits of just simple, ordinary prayers. What I mean by that is, is they're really not thought out prayers. Many times they're monotonous words that we've prayed it many times. We've said the same words. We've prayed the same things. I think if we're to be honest with ourselves. We're all guilty of that, myself included. We pray the same prayers over and over. Pray for the same people over and over. Pray for the, with the same words, not praying with, with any further consideration. Here, consider Daniel in his prayer. Who is he praying for? He's not praying for himself. He's praying for his people. God, would you please, please bring your people out of this land? Remember, Daniel's part of the remnant. Did we bring, bring us back to a couple weeks ago. We talked about this in the brief history of, of where Daniel's at. Daniel was one of those who was taken captive of the tribe of Judah. 
okay? Remember, they, there was the kingdom that had been split into two. There was a northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom's Judah. Judah was all that was left. They were taken captive by Babylon. But Babylon was then destroyed and taken captive by the Medes and the Persians. Daniel has been through the whole, uh, nearly the whole reign of Nebuchadnezzar as well as the, the reign of, uh, of Darius. Here's an 80, 90-some-year-old man. And who is his prayer for? It's prayer essentially, in its very essence, for revival. I once heard a preacher put it this way, that, and I believe this to be very true. Uh, we, we often expect, when we pray for the fire of revival in our country, in our land, but all the while we're not even preparing our own altar. I wonder, how is your habit of prayer? Psalmist said, evening and morning and at noon do I pray. Do you pray to God regularly? I remember in college, uh, there was this, this was a, a principle and a thought as far as this matter of prayer that was brought out to me, and I've never forgotten it. And we were challenged from that day of chapel, the next 30 days, to pray extraordinary prayers. Different prayers, a prayer that differentiates from one day to the next. Somebody says, well, God's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I can talk to him about anything. Absolutely. But let me tell you, a, a, even a brother, uh, if you're saying the same thing to him every single day, is it really a picture of your care and your love and your belief and your faith and the ability of that individual? Although we, through the power of God, we believe in what God can do. The Bible tells us, notice his, uh, his plan in, in his prayer. He did not begin uh, with just prayer, but the Bible tells us um, that his prayer was in, in recognition and thanks of who God is. The Bible says he gave thanks before his God. And in verse 11, then he gave the supplication. Keep in mind that prayer is much more than just asking for things. And supplication gives us that picture of his plea. Of his, of his earnestly coming to God. God, would you please answer my prayer? What is this prayer? God, would you deliver us out of the hands of the Medes and the Persians? And God was going to. God had a plan. He was using Daniel to be uh, the, kind of the, the leading, <laughs> the, the leader through all of this. Oh, what a difference that God's people can make in our country, I believe. If yes... We would have the proper posture and attitude of prayer. We're kneeling on our knees. We would pray. That we would go further praying extraordinary prayers. God, more than just, uh, more than just uh, sending fire, Lord, and, and sending revival, God, I'm preparing myself. Because see, here we come to the conclusion of it all, and, and that is in, in verse 28, that he has a, a heavenward mindset. Boy, what a godly attitude a godly habit that we should have is one that's heavenward. And in what way was it heavenward? The Bible tells us that he prayed with his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. Yes, his prayer was for the people. But his commitment, his faithfulness, his belief in God was so passionately committed that if he gave his own life, for the cause for which he believed in, it would have been worth it all. He wasn't going to compromise. He wasn't going to change. 
He wasn't going to de develop anything other than what he had already been doing for God. And boy, if it means I'm going to uh, be eaten alive by lions in a, in, a, in a den, but God's people are saved as a result of my prayer, then so be it. I say to you how unfortunate it is. We often ask for God. God, would you please open the, the, the windows of heaven? Would you send your blessings down upon us? And all the while, our windows are, are closed. We're just opening every door in our life. <laughs> Could it be that we just need to close the doors and open the windows and direct our prayers and our mindset to heaven? God, I'm trusting you. I'm not walking through any other doors. I'm, I'm keeping my focus on you. It's heavenward. You see, we want, the, we want for God's blessing from heaven to come, but we've got to do the work ourselves, preparation ourselves in our own life. It's not just simply saying, oh God, would you help me today? No, we've got to, we've got to make those steps. We've got to choose to take those steps. But is our, does our, our habits of everyday life speak of a heavenward mindset? Continually thinking on God, continually thinking about the eternity which we'll have together with God. And this is what Daniel's mindset was on, was on God. God, would you bring salvation? Would you bring deliverance to your people? Would it be even, God, that you would use me to do that? As an 89-year-old man, keep in mind you're never too old to serve God. We say at the beginning of Daniel, uh, the passage of Daniel where he's a young man, say it the same at the end. All the tremendous things that God used Daniel to do. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2, My son, forget not thy law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life. Proverbs 9, verse 11 and 12, the Bible says, For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself, but if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 28. Just verse 28, same chapter. The Bible tells us that Daniel was preferred. Daniel prayed. But in verse 28, Daniel prospered. Here's the blessing. Daniel prospered. And look how long he prospered. He prospered through some of the life of, of Nebuchadnezzar. He prospered through the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Boy, he continued to live on. Now, I truly believe, as we find it biblically in Scripture, that God will even so much as lengthen our days of life when we choose to develop godly habits. That is, we're giving God his rightful place and making him a habit of our life. I wonder if you might challenge yourself for 30 days. 30 days I'm going to seek to have a testimony that glows in great representation of Christ. For 30 days, I'm going to pray an extraordinary prayer. For 30 days, I'm going to keep my mind heavy, heavenward. And I assure you, I promise you, according to Scripture, that when you choose to develop those habits, God will bless you. The prayers are often filled, God, would you bring your blessing? But here we find of Daniel, he's still preparing the altar. God, would you send revival? Would you bring the fire? But Daniel says, I'm willing to give my own life if necessary for you to accomplish your work. 
Oh, how little the Christian in the 21st century gives for the sake of Christ. But we look at Daniel's life, he gave everything. He gave everything. Are you willing to give everything? Uh, we, we frown sometimes and even kind of look twice at, you know, somebody dresses a certain way or doing certain things, listens to certain kind of music, and maybe even different than we are. You know, somebody walks in there with, a, with an Amish background and we kind of look once, we look twice, you know. And if we're sitting at a dinner table and they're in the distance, we're probably looking at them the entire time. We're thinking, man, they're just, they're, they're a little bit different than we are. They believe something a little different than we are. Maybe we even consider what they do believe and all that sort of thing. But could it be that we are known simply for loving God? That we're preferred not because of who we are, but because of who God has made us to be as a result of his blessings. That we are who we are not because of anything more than we've trusted God by faith and we're continually praying to him by faith. I wonder, what, what kind of habits are in your life? Are they... Godly habits? Are they habits that speak well the name of Christ and that increase your walk with Him? The challenge this morning is nothing deep, truthfully. In fact, in many ways, it's not anything we've never heard. But I wonder how much in the last 30 days have even just these three things that we've done, have they been a regular part of your life? Just these past 30 days, have they been a regular part of your life? Would you commit to God as Daniel did? Would you determine to be faithful as Daniel was? Would you determine to, to, to take the effort, put in the work, to speak well the name of Christ, to begin a, a growing relationship with Him, and to keep your mind continually on heaven? Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us at this, these few moments